Welcome to the listener's commentary on the Gospel of Luke. My name is John Whitaker, and thanks for joining me here on the listener's commentary. In this session, we're going to be looking at Luke chapter 7, verses 18 through 35. In context, Jesus' ministry has been growing and expanding. In fact, at the end of the last section, after he had raised the young man at name, it says the word about him continued to spread through all the country of the Jews. And so Jesus' ministry is growing and expanding. Not only that, he's recently appointed 12 of his disciples to be apostles. And now John the Baptist wants confirmation about Jesus' role. Other than Jesus' baptism, the last info we have about John is this. But when Herod the Tetrarch was reprimanded by him regarding Herodias, his brother's wife, and regarding all the evil things that Herod had done, Herod added this to them all. He locked John up in prison. That's Luke chapter 3, verses 19 and 20. So we had that little statement. Then we've got Jesus' baptism. And then we've pretty much been done with John the Baptist until this moment. And so here, Luke brings John back up. And John is wondering about Jesus and seeking confirmation as to who he really is and what his role really is. The Jewish historian Josephus tells us that Herod, the Herod mentioned there in Luke chapter 3, Herod Antipas, imprisoned John in his fortress at Machaerus, and that John was there for about a year before eventually being executed. And although Luke doesn't tell us, Matthew notes that the events told here in Luke chapter 7 happened while John was there in prison. You can read about Matthew's account in Matthew chapter 11. So here's what happened. John is sitting in prison. Jesus's ministry is expanding. Um, and John wants to know, wait a second, let me just get some reassurance here. So here's what John did. Luke chapter 7, verse 18, the disciples of John also reported to him about all these things. These things being the reports about Jesus, how his how he's healing people, how he had just raised a young man out of death back to life. And they reported all these things to John. And after summoning two of his disciples, John sent them to the Lord saying, Are you the coming one, or are we to look for someone else? And we're not told exactly what motivated or prompted John to wonder this. And Bible teachers almost since the beginning have wondered about it. Some contend that John was being, seeing the impact of Jesus's ministry and beginning to view him as the Messiah, even if he was the Messiah of a different kind. I suppose that's possible. My challenge is it seems like John sort of knew that at Jesus' baptism. Others contend that John was confused by Jesus because although Jesus was doing some pretty incredible things, he certainly didn't fit the role of Messiah that that the typical Jew, and perhaps John himself, expected. That seems to make a little more sense to me, especially since Jesus will end what he says in response to John's question by saying, Blessed is the one who does not stumble over me. And so it seems as if Jesus is seeing John as maybe stumbling a little bit over the kind of Messiah that Jesus is. However we understand what motivated John to do it, what John is seeking is confirmation and reassurance. And so he sends two, uh, two men to Jesus. 
Verse 20, when they came to him, they said, John the Baptist has sent us to you to ask, are you the coming one or should we look for someone else? And how is Jesus going to respond to this? Well, he's going to respond in both word and in action, saying that he's carrying out the very role that God gave him. Indeed, he is the coming one. So, verse 21, at that very time, he cured many people of diseases and afflictions and evil spirits, and he gave sight to many who were blind. And so, he, he performs healings and dramatic actions that, that show his authority and his power. And then in verse 22, he answered and said to them, go and report to John what you've seen and heard. So, look, you've just seen me perform miracles. You've listened to some of my teaching. So you go tell John what you're seeing. People who were blind receive sight. People who limped walk. People with leprosy are cleansed. And people who were deaf hear. Dead people are raised up. And people who were poor have the gospel preached to them. And blessed is anyone who does not take offense at me. Jesus's words to these two men that are going to Go back to John and report what they see and hear. Jesus' words hearken back to Luke chapter 4. And in Luke chapter 4, Jesus had was inaugurating his ministry in the synagogue, and he read a passage from Isaiah. That passage said this, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me. The word anointed is the word for Messiah or Christ. He has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom uh, for the prisoners, recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Uh, and so Jesus is recalling in some ways that moment that began his ministry as sort of programmatic and says, look, that's what's happening. I am the anointed one. I am the one anointed by God's Spirit, and this is the way it's playing out, is by me preaching and teaching and healing and doing these deeds of power. And so you tell John that. You reassure him, yes, I am the one. And verse 23, blessed is anyone who does not take offense at me. And that phrase, take offense, is literally stumble over. It's actually related to the very same word that the Apostle Paul will use, say, in the Corinthian correspondence for stumbling stone. Uh, it's the idea of tripping so as to damage yourself or harm yourself. That's the idea. And so blessed is the one who doesn't take offense at, that is, stumble over Jesus because he's not the kind of Messiah that they expected. The nature of Jesus' Messiahship continued to be a major stumbling block for Jews all the way through the early days of the church and even really into the present time. Jesus just wasn't a very good Messiah by the standard expectations of the day. He was different. Um, and so it could be confusing. And so Jesus says, blessed is anyone who doesn't stumble over and take offense at me. This then leads to Jesus reflecting on who John is. He's reassured these messengers from John that indeed Jesus is the Messiah. And then after they leave, he reflects on John himself. This is what happens. Verse 24, when the messengers of John had left, he, Jesus, began to speak to the crowds about John. What did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken by the wind, picture say like a cattail or you know swamp grass. When the wind blows, it just moves because it doesn't have a whole lot of support, right? A weed shaken by the wind. But what did you go out to see? A man dressed in soft clothing? 
those who are splendidly clothed live in luxury and are found in royal palaces. And so the reed in the wind is, is you know, someone easily shaken and undependable. What's the soft clothing thing? Well, soft clothing refers to somebody who, you know, love to dress in super fancy clothes uh, and participate in palace life and sort of pander after and cater to the whims of the rich and the powerful, right? Like those who just want to follow them around and kind of get their attention, you know, groupies for celebrities. That's kind of the person we're talking about. Did you go out to see someone like that? Well, no. Who did you go out to see? What kind of person? Verse 26. What did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, Jesus says, I tell you, and one who is more than a prophet. This is the one about whom it is written, Behold, I am sending my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way before you. So, yes, you went out to see a prophet. That's who John is. He's a prophet. But he's not just any prophet. He's a great prophet. He's the prophet who was the forerunner to the Lord himself. And Jesus alludes to Malachi chapter 3, verse 1. This is the one about whom this was said, uh, that he is going to be the forerunner of the Lord himself. And so he says, I say to you, among those born of women, there is no one greater than John. And yet, the one who is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. So John, on one hand, is the greatest prophet ever because he served as the forerunner of the Messiah. And yet, in a surprising twist, the least in God's kingdom uh, that's formed in Jesus is actually greater than John himself because of the privileges it brings to be part of God's kingdom in the Messiah. In fact, one scholar says this, he says, no one who came before, not even John, can compare with those who now have the privilege of living in the age of salvation, the age of the spirit, spirit that was brought by Jesus the Messiah. And so John is a great prophet, but those in the kingdom of God, even the very least in the kingdom of God, are greater than him. Then the next two verses, verses 29 and 30, are sort of like a little bit of an aside that Luke throws in there to set up what Jesus says next in verses 31 and following. So this is what he, Luke tells us to make sure we understand what's going on in the rest of Jesus' words. Verse 29, when all the people and tax collectors heard this, the question is, heard what? And this translation supplies the word this, seeming to suggest they heard what Jesus just said about John the Baptist. And that's possible. Uh, but it's probably better when they heard John's message. He's talking about John. So Luke is giving us an assign, aside, and we'll see what he's talking about here in a second, that when all the people and tax collectors heard John preach, they heard John teach. That seems to be what, what uh, Luke is really saying. So when all the people and tax collectors heard John and heard his ministry and his message, they acknowledged God's justice, having been baptized with the baptism of John. But the Pharisees and the lawyers rejected God's purposes for themselves, not having been baptized by John. And so Luke is actually hearkening back to, to John's ministry. Before he was in prison, when he was preaching and teaching, and that's why it's best to understand the heard, not as heard what Jesus said, but heard John's ministry and message. A couple other things to clarify here. Notice it says that they acknowledged God's justice. God's justice, that is, that God's way was right. That's the force of that. They acknowledged that God's way was right. And they acknowledged that specifically by being baptized by John himself. The Pharisees and the lawyers, on the other hand, they rejected God's purpose for themselves. Uh, 
Um, they didn't get baptized by John. They didn't acknowledge that God was on the move and up to something and that God's way was right. So that little aside in verses 29 and 30 that harkens back to John's ministry is to make sure we have that in mind, that context in mind, so that we understand what Jesus says in the following verses. So verse 31, Jesus says, To what then shall I compare the people of this generation, and what are they like? They are like children who sit in the marketplace and call out to one another and say, We played the flute for you, and you didn't dance. We sang a song of mourning, and you didn't weep. The image here focuses on the fickleness of children. That's sort of the point of contact in the image is how fickle children can be. You don't want a happy song to dance to. You don't want a sad song to mourn to. What do you want? That's the point of the imagery. And so Jesus brings up this imagery of these fickle kids. It's like you, nothing's going to make you happy. And then he goes on and he makes the point. For John the Baptist has come, neither eating bread nor drinking wine. And you say, he has a demon. The Son of Man has come, eating and drinking. And you say, Behold, a gluttonous man and a heavy drinker, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. And so Jesus applies the imagery about the fickleness of kids to the current events. John's serious and he's austere. And you say, oh, he's got a demon. Jesus is laughing and partying. And that's not good enough for you either. You're just like fickle kids and nothing will make you happy. And yet the conclusion Jesus gives is, and yet wisdom is vindicated by all her children. Now, wisdom is vindicated, means wisdom is proved right. And wisdom's children are those who listen to her and do what wisdom says. And in this case, it's those who responded to John initially and now who respond positively to Jesus, who recognize God is on the move and God is at work. And John the Baptist was the forerunner of the Messiah, and Jesus is that very Messiah. And so the, this generation may be fickle, but the facts are um, Jesus really is the Messiah, and John really was the prophet that was going to prepare the way for him. And wisdom is vindicated by those who actually listen to her and respond to her the way she calls out to them. And so as we wrap up this section, I think it's important for us to just recognize that people's fickleness, people's uncertainty, people's questions or people's response just doesn't change the facts. Jesus is indeed the coming one. The evidence is in his actions. John was indeed the forerunner, even though he's now in prison languishing there, right? Like, even though people questioned it, even though people responded poorly to it, even though there's sort of this mixed bag, it's still the truth. People are fickle, so you never determine truth by the response of people. You determine truth by facts. And the facts say that Jesus is indeed the Messiah.